Donald Edward Rockwell was born on June the 25th, 1932, in the little farming village of Wolfville, Nova Scotia, Canada. He's the oldest, he is the oldest, my dad's not dead, uh, he is the oldest of five children born to John and Winnie Rockwell over a 17-year span of time. Now, there's some significance to this. First off, my grandfather, John, first marriage, was married at 48 years old to my 18-year-old grandmother. He also had a job where he worked on the roads. In fact, he was gone a lot, hence the 17 years to have five kids. But he traveled across Canada to build what eventually became part of the Trans-Canada Highway System, the longest highway system in the world, by the way. Uh, just closely beating out Trans-Siberian Highway and also Route 1 across Australia, just for those of you who wanted to know. Um, anyway, the other thing that was kind of significant is that since there was such a span in the age of the kids, and since my grandfather was seldom home, my dad had to learn responsibility at a very young age. He learned how to do things that most kids at 9 and 10 years old can't do. Uh, but he fixed everything. He built things. He did things. He be, had to become the man of the house at a fairly young age. And therefore, he had no choice but to learn responsibility at a very young age. And while his dad was home, uh, though it was not very often, he had the opportunity to spend pretty well his full time with his dad. And his dad taught him a lot uh, during those, those times that he was with him. And so my dad learned the responsibility. Uh, he learned what it was like to have to help raise two brothers and two younger sisters. He learned a lot. Pretty special man. To this day, my, dad's, my dad is one of my greatest heroes. Incredible man. Anyway, um, wonderful man. And he taught me a lot as a result of what he learned. And in fact, he had to have the responsibilities of being home. He didn't get to leave home a whole lot the first 20 years of his life. But one year, he did get to go and attend the annual Apple Blossom Parade and Festival that happens in the town of Wolfville every year. And this one year, he actually was able to get a break from his responsibilities, and he went. And there, he fell in love with the Apple Blossom Princess, um, <laughs> Betty Layton, who was a couple of years younger than him. So he's 20 years old. He meets her. She's 18 at the time. Uh, long story short, a year later, they were married. And again, very humble roots, both of them coming from kind of agricultural-type backgrounds. And those, that young couple started a family. And uh, if you take a look at the next picture... They actually had, uh, first, they had a, a, had a daughter born to them, Debbie, my older sister. She died of crib death at 10 months old. So needless to say, I was a little spoiled when I was first born. In fact, my dad tells me the story how for the first six months of my life, I never went to bed by myself. He, he went to bed with me. It was kind of So apparently the breaking of that habit was quite a traumatic and somewhat noisy event in the Rockwell household. Uh, but anyway, my mom then had three boys under four. Before I was four, I had my two brothers born, and then my mom had always wanted a girl, Miss Debbie, and so therefore, when I was 12 years old, we adopted a little girl, Nancy, um, who again, because she had health problems and had been abused little girl and so on, she became uh, daddy's little girl. Now, let me tell you right now, there's a difference between the way you raise boys and girls. That was very apparent in the Rockwell household, so she got an awful lot of attention. There was a different set of rules for us. But one of the things I learned uh, from my dad, and I, knit, I have to tell you, I, I feel badly, that although I learned things from my dad, I did not put them in practice. You probably heard me speak here a year or so ago about me being a prodigal parent, and I really was. I was not a good parent to my sons. But I look back, and it was not until fairly recently that it all came together for me, just how good a dad my dad was. And my dad, really for us, provided four things that I want to talk about. 
And it was interesting because uh, the three boys, if there's such a, there's probably more like a triangle because if there's three polar opposites, it would be us. We had very little in common with the exception of our parentage. That was it. We were three very different guys. And yet I recall, I remember back how my dad loved us all equally and in our very special ways. So I really loved the outdoors and I loved books. I loved reading and I just loved to learn stuff and I loved music. And so dad showed interest in those things with me. And then my middle brother, Jim, the mechanic of the family, anything that was, ran on power, electricity of any kind, he had to take it apart, reassemble it. That was very much like a young man after my dad's own heart because that's how he was when he was younger. And so he did those kind of things with Jim and he showed him love that way. And then Paul was the artistic one in the family and the sports nut. Um, he was a far better hockey player than me, hated his guts for that. Uh, he was, when I was younger, he was a far better baseball player than me, and here that he's younger than me, it really bothered me. Um, but he's also extremely talented when it came to drawing. And again, my dad encouraged him in all those things. So it was just amazing. And this all came together, I'll, and I'll tell you when this really got revealed to me. About five weeks ago, Carrie and I had the real blessing, the opportunity to sit down with our oldest son, Adam, and his, at that time, uh, bride-to-be, and talk, um, I said, I want to talk with you guys, not about your wedding. I want to talk about marriage. And so we had the real blessing to talk with them about marriage. And it all came together for me that what I was sharing with them, the roles of husbands and wives and moms and dads, was really what my dad had put into practice. And I hadn't really thought of it until about five weeks ago. So this message comes from that, from that conversation I had with Adam and Marley. And I want to share with you the four things that my dad uh, provided us. First off, and it should be on the slide here coming up, um, unconditional love. It was amazing how my dad didn't seem, I cannot recall that he had a favorite. I would have thought since I was the oldest, I should have been the favorite, right? I do know I had the most amount of responsibility. I had the phrase, uh, Bob, you're the oldest, you should know better. I heard that one a lot, right? And so, um, so I thought I should have been loved the most. But the fact is, uh, he loved us all unconditionally and uniquely to the way that we were made and wired and so on. And so I love my dad for that. Uh, my dad's a man's man. He was a big, large, imposing man. I was, I was the shortest male of the family for a while. Uh, both my dad and my two younger brothers were slightly taller than me. So I was the runt of the litter, if you will. Um, so he was a big and imposing man. He still has, to this day, hands that are twice the size of mine. Nothing my dad can't do. Uh, and he, was one, he had a lot of sayings. And some of them I can't repeat in here. But one of them he did say, he said, uh, boys, there is nothing you cannot do and there is nothing you cannot become if you are willing to work hard enough to do it and to make sacrifices to make it happen. And we took that to heart. We really did. And so we learned a lot of him. But he did everything. I remember back. My dad was one of those E.F. Hutton kind of guys. Uh, He didn't speak very often, but when he did, people listened. And I, I remember a lot of people coming to him for wisdom and advice. But the biggest thing I just remember from my dad, this big imposing guy, it's just this incredible oozing of love continually. He never once told us he was disappointed in us. He never once chastised us. Now, I, I know that not everybody in this room can say they had that experience. But one of my greatest blessings in my life was that dad. Uh, and he still is to this day. So unconditional love was a big one he gave us. The second thing, I still remember the sacrifices my dad made to provide for us. I knew the jobs he took. He'd go to school and holding down two jobs to provide for us. Because he didn't get to finish his education when he first got married. He had to go finish that after while he still worked full time. I don't know when he slept. I really don't. I don't remember seeing my dad sleep. I just don't. He just seemed to always be working or studying. So he was an incredible provider to us and the family. Um, The other thing dad did, it was protection. 
And there's some things I remember vividly. But my dad, to protect us, he gave us a lot of words of wisdom. And he would actually sit us down. And he was very clear. Boys, I want you to listen to me. It was kind of those types of things. And so he protected us with that. But I remember one time, too, seeing the protection. Um, there, was a fam- there was a party at my folks' house. And I still remember this. I was just a little kid. I was probably six or seven. And obviously some man either had made an advance towards my mom or something inappropriate. And I still remember this. My dad took the man by the throat. And he put him up against the wall like this. And he drew back his massive hand. And he smashed the hole in the wall beside the man's head. He let him down. And he says, get out before I kill you. I'll never forget that. Um, My dad's a protector. And so I learned protection. Maybe not quite to that degree. (laughs) But I learned protection from my dad. And then the fourth thing he did. My dad was an encourager. Again, whatever we liked, whatever we were good at or not good at, he encouraged us. He wanted us to be the men that we wanted to be, not what he had predetermined he wanted us to be. And I recognize that that was rare, and I love him for that. That he encouraged us to be the people he wanted to be. So I owe an awful lot of who I am as a man today to my dad. Now, I am disappointed in myself that I did not put into practice when my boys were young what he put into practice with us. However, it's never too late. Probably finally today, it's about 60 years old, I think I'm finally becoming the dad that my kids deserve. Uh, but it took a while. But those are the four things my dad gave us, all of us. And he gave it all to us equally. Uh, sometimes maybe a little bit more to my sister. She's still at 50 years old, daddy's little girl. Um, but it's kind of interesting because here's what dad didn't know. My dad did not become a Christian until 73 years old. And I did not until I was 39. By the way, my dad became a Christian as a result of his son becoming a Christian. I think I may or may not have shared that with you. That he thought, well, Bob's not exactly an idiot. Uh, He generally researches things. There must be something to this. And so as a result of his son becoming a believer, my dad became a believer at 73. But he did not know this. And I don't know if he even knows it today. But those four things are actually modeled to us by the Father, by by our Heavenly Father. And there's just a couple scriptures I want to share with you. The first one you all know very well. Do you ever stop and think about the Lord's Prayer? It has all four of those in it. It starts off with our Father who art in heaven. It's our Father. He says, hallowed, holy is your name. Then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The love that he has for us is incredible in that. He says, give us this day our daily bread, the provision. He says, forgive us our trespasses, the guidance and the provision, the protection, as we forgive those who who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but actually deliver us from the evil one, the protection of our Father. And it ends with, to thine be the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. The encouragement that we get from this. And then there's one other set of scriptures that I think really embodies all four of these. And it's probably one of my favorite parts. It's my favorite psalm by, by by all counts, Psalm 23. Uh, so if you want to open it, you can. I don't, did not put the words on the screen because I just happened to know it. But it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You hear it? He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Do you hear the love? He leads me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did you hear them? Did you hear the love? 
the protection, the provision, the incredible encouragement in it. So my dad didn't know it, but what he modeled for us was something I later realized the Father has modeled to us. And so I've made a commitment to the Father, both fathers actually. I'm trying my best for the rest of my days to be the dad my kids deserve, and quite frankly, that the people around me deserve. Because we get to be dads, guys. Not just our own kids. We get to be dads to the world. All the people that God puts in our path. So I have a, a challenge. I actually have a message to three distinctly different groups of people. And I wish my kids were here, my youth were here. The first one is to uh, women, and especially young ladies. Um, if you've, got, if you're, if you're, uh, got brothers, you probably have noticed that your dad has probably treated you differently than your brothers. And you may not have liked that. Uh, I strongly advise you, go home, or call him, hug him, and tell him how much you appreciate the fact that he teach, that treats you different. Here's the thing. For dads, the second most important female in his life is his daughter. He has a commitment. He will protect her. He will love her. He will provide for her. He will encourage her to be the woman God wants her to be. And he will not relinquish one iota of that until the right man comes along who can take over those responsibilities. And he will recognize that man. So someday in the life of a young lady, I suspect that what will happen is some young man will show up. And it won't just be lust. He won't just like you because you're hot. He will see you and he'll say, this is the woman I think God is giving me. And he will love you like he didn't think he could love before. What he will do is he will not want any other woman on the earth besides you. He could imagine growing old with you. He sees his life with you. He also knows that this is a woman that I would protect. I would give my life for this woman. I would die for her. And I will make sacrifices to provide for her. And, although, and because I am mature enough to be secure in who I am, because of that, I will do all I can to encourage you to be the woman that God wants you to be. Now, your dad will recognize that man. Until that man comes along, every other man is a potential imposter and thief who wants to rob from your future husband. I don't know how to make it more direct than that. That is the case. And so my, my message to the young women, especially today, is do not settle for anything less. You deserve nothing less. Good enough? Second group of people I want to talk to, not surprisingly, are the young men. You heard what I just said about uh, uh, dads and the young women. I want to have two messages for the young men. First off, do not be a poser. Do not be a thief. Do not be a conniver. Do not rob from any young woman what rightly belongs to her husband, nor should you give up any of yourself that rightly belongs to your future wife. First message. Second thing is that we are desperate in this world for better dads and fathers. My second message to the young men is go find an older man that you trust, or that at least appears to be trustworthy, and ask him to be a mentor to you. I wish, I, I had a dad as a mentor. I wish I had actually purposely taken advantage of what an incredible mentor he could have been. In other words, I wish I knew, you hear this a lot, I wish I knew 40 years ago what I know today. So here's the thing. Most men that I know, older men, would love to have a young man come and ask them to give them, hey, could you be my mentor? Would you help me become a better man? Would you help prepare me to be a, someday be a dad? And I think most men would say, I'd be honored. And we need more better dads. More better. We need more better dads. And so, young men, 
please take advantage of that. It costs you nothing but some time and perhaps a little bit of humility to say, I'm going to learn from someone else who maybe made the mistakes and is a little bit wiser. Okay. The third group of people that I want to speak to, since I brought this water up, I will take some, are the older men. Um, A couple messages to you. First off, I am living proof that it is never too late to become a better dad. I am today still learning to be a better dad. Because my sons, even though they're grown, they're in their 30s, they deserve to have the dad now. Now, I have received forgiveness from my sons for the dad that they used to have. Uh, And they love me. I have the best relationship with my boys that I have ever had. And my commitment to them is I'm going to continue to be a better dad to them. I will continue to love my sons unconditionally. Two different guys, but I will love them unconditionally. I will continue to provide and to equip them with words of wisdom, I hope, and some guidance. Because I have a relationship with them, I'm able to do that. I will continue to encourage my young men to be the men that God actually means for them to be. And I've got at least one of my young sons is not saved. He's definitely not saved. So that's still our prayer for Carrie and I every single day, that he be saved. But I'm trusting in God that we have the relationship that's going to allow me to pour into him. And I'm trusting that he's going to be saved. Um, So it's never too late to be a better dad. Never. So you have not failed. Now what it will take, it will take incredible humility. I had to go to my kids and say, I screwed up. I was not a good dad. Will you forgive me? I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to ask you to hold me and be accountable. I want to be a better dad to you. Can you do that? If you can, I think the door is open to you. So it's never too late to be a a better dad. Second thing, um, some of you in here may not have had kids or your kids are gone for whatever reason, no longer here. I will guarantee you this. God has put in your life people, younger people, to whom you can be a dad. I guarantee you, if you stopped and opened your eyes and looked, and maybe even have to ask God to reveal it to you, there are young people that God has put in your life that you can love unconditionally for who they are. That you could perhaps provide for them some guidance, some words of wisdom. That you could protect them by warning them about some things through your own life. That you can encourage them to be the men and the women that they're called to be. Now, I've been really blessed for the last six months Uh, And for about the next month, I've had an opportunity to work with our youth. And so I've had an opportunity to do a couple things. One is be the biggest cheerleader and advocate for their mom and dads. Number one. Second thing is for me to try to model unconditional love for these kids, to provide for them, to protect them, and to encourage them to be the young men and women that God wants them to be. I get to do that, and it's just been a blast. So fantastic to do that. So for every single one of us in this room, we have that opportunity. Guys, I'm convinced that if it had not been for the downfall of dads, and I think dads are are kind of thrown, you guys probably know this, there's probably fewer and fewer true dads in the world. And society is kind of throwing dads under the bus. You see it in television, you see it everywhere. The role of dad is becoming just kind of denigrated. It's just becoming uh, obliterated in some cases. I want to tell you the world is desperate for dads. I think if we had more dads and better dads, our country would be in a different state. Our world would be in a different state. Our politics would be in a different state. Uh, We just would be. And so I encourage you guys, help, first off, become a better dad yourself. It's never too late. And secondly, encourage other young men to be better dads. The opportunity is in front of us. So, back to my mom and dad. Um, They are still alive. 
They still live. It's funny, after having moved all over the place, we were all born in different, in fact, two different countries all over the place. And so they moved back now. They live within 10 miles of where they were born. So they live back in the Annapolis Valley of Nova Scotia. Looks like it, it looks like it fell out of a Norman Rockwell painting. If you can picture that, that's what this place is. And, and I'm, I'm blessed that God has allowed me to go up and see my folks at least three or four times a year. In fact, we'll go up again next month with our kids. Uh, and so I get to do that. So they live in the valley, living out their days, surrounded by friends and family that they love. My dad is 84 next week. My mom is 82. Um, their health is questionable, but that's one of the reasons I go see them often. But they are an incredible legacy and blessing to me. And so I've talked a lot about my dad Uh, My mom, too. A wonderful mom. Incredible mom. But that's a story for Mother's Day. 